just to launch this conversation. This is our playground. They have spontaneous conversations. They don't plan this. I mean, there's actually something sort of spiritual about that. What's he do? He's a human being. <laughs> yeah, I'm a sexist feminist. We should be friends. <laughs> Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Rob and Callie Show. My name is Rob Kay. I'm a life coach in New York City and I'm here in the studio and my friend Callie is abroad. What's up, Callie? <laughs> hey Robbie, how are you doing? I'm out on the road, so this is a this is gonna be a new experiment with me <laughs> calling in, being the being the road warrior that I am, right? We'll see how it goes tonight. It sounds like you're on a payphone, like on Route sixty six <laughs> and you're like, All right, hey. I, I, I got enough on my card to get some time on this payphone. Remember the days of payphones? It's funny. Anyway, good. How did you know? How did you know where I was? Maybe I am on Route sixty six. That sounds so mysterious. I'm not on a payphone. You know, I must be psychic or something. That's the image I get. So enjoy the Grand Canyon when you go there. <laughs> I hope I can get reception for the next few minutes while I, we talk. I know, right? Well, we're trying something new. Callie's on the road tonight, and I'm in the studio, and tonight we're doing another episode. If you want to call in, join the conversation, have any thoughts, feel free to join the fun. The number is 877-480-4120. Tonight, we're going to talk about something. I put this on Facebook today, and I said, have you ever chased somebody who's emotionally unavailable? (laughs) And I had comments like, really, you know... Joking around like, no, I can't, I can't relate to that at all, you know? So it seems like a topic that resonates a lot with people. And uh, Callie, you brought up this topic, so why don't you open the show? Well, and first of all, my our, I guess our disclaimer for tonight is if, that if, if anybody, if it sounds like you and I are talking over each other, this is a, you know, a rhythm that we're not as used to. So we'll apologize in advance if the show sounds different from, hey, maybe it'll be better. Who knows? Um, but we do like being in the same room together. So this is a shift for us. It's so um, funny. I, I got to This stop. is a topic that, you know, I, I think um, has resonated <laughs> deeply for you and I for a long time. I can't take, and it's been on sort of on the list in the back of my mind. I can't take credit for it um, currently being like at the top of our list and having chosen it tonight because it was a friend who sort of uh, implanted the idea in my head over the last um, two weeks. So shout out to my friend. Um, but I think that, you know, this is something that everyone can relate to because our emotionality is, you know, we're born with that, obviously, and it's um, our connection to our, you know, our relationship with our emotions informs everything that we do from, you know, a very early age, right? It's sort of learned in our family of origin um, how we deal with emotions, if we let ourselves feel them, if we let other people access them. And then as we grow up, I think um, it really is the, at the foundation and the root of all of our relationships. So, you know, I was thinking about how, for me, it was just I was thinking about sort of my personal kind of biographical trajectory with um, the idea of emotional availability. Mm-hmm. You know, and I was thinking that when I was younger, I told this story about how I had a, a tough relationship with anger. Um, it wasn't an emotion I was comfortable with. But generally speaking, I, while I was very affectionate and very feeling and emotional, I don't know that I was particularly in touch with my emotions or felt like I had a safe outlet for them or a safe place to go. And I was thinking earlier about how one of the first times where I really learned 
about accessing emotions, I was um, acting. I was probably, I started playing with the acting thing in grammar school and, and then especially in high school. Mm. And I was given the um, the honor of playing Anne Frank in a high school play. Mm. And I distinctly remember, um, I was, I don't know, freshman or sophomore. I remember before the show started, the director of the show, who was a senior and a very handsome one at that, <laughs> um, walking into the room where I was hanging out, getting ready, turned off the lights, asked me to take a deep breath and to just sort of get into the space of the feeling of the part and the lines that I was to deliver. And he may have given me some other exercise. And I remember it feeling so unfamiliar and so intimate. And it just popped into my head about 10 minutes ago as I was thinking about it. It was probably the first experience I had with an outside person Mm-hmm. Um, and that sense of like emotional access in sort of a more outward public way. Mm-hmm. Now, and that stuff, I think it sticks with you, you know? Yeah. I think when someone has the courage or ability to sit still and not get into fight or flight and actually get close to you in that way, you know, whether it's in a fight or whether it's just allowing, allowing themselves to get close to you in general, I think it's kind of a special thing. And, um, you know, I think a lot of people grow up with broken hearts. I think that they're hurt as a child in their childhood or as a teenager, as a young adult, and even in adulthood. And there are wounds from that, you know. And if those wounds aren't healed and addressed and, and we become conscious of what it is, you know, the real work that we have to do as far as healing ourselves so that we don't repeat that childhood pattern or the patterns we have of getting hurt, then, you know, being emotionally available is pretty challenging. And, um, you know, I was thinking about that quote that God will keep breaking your heart until it breaks open. And Mm. I, yeah, I think for me, um, you know, when I was a young adult, a young man, I finally had enough of a broken heart just from life. It wasn't just about love or girls or anything. It was just in general. And I got into therapy and started to get on a spiritual path. And that's when I started to heal and heal my heart. And then that's when I became more emotionally available, you know? Yeah. And I think, too, it's probably, it's it's important to say here, um, and I think I could take liberties to say that when you use expression like broken heart, which I think is, um, you know, and speaking to, like, the fact that most people experience it at some level, it doesn't have to be in some large, um, uh, dramatic or tragic way, per se. I mean, it comes in so many different forms, and it could be the subtleties of how you learn to express yourself or the fact that, Maybe you don't have a, you know, you didn't learn how to, you know, you come from a family that culturally wasn't as expressive or, you know, maybe, you know, I know for me, I, for example, I was a curious kid and my questions could get a little overwhelming and probably a little annoying even for my parents. Mm. And so there's probably a little part of me that learned to, on some level, not and inadvertently, not because they meant, you know, anything by it, but just the nuance of that in my unconscious sort of formed where maybe I started to refrain from, you know, or kind of quell a lot of my curiosity. So it comes in so many different nuances and it doesn't, big and small, for some people there's large heartbreaks and for others it's small ones where they wouldn't even necessarily um, assign that word to it. Yeah, you know, I think you're giving it a permission to like for people to notice that it, it it is a little heartbreak in a way. Yeah, and also hopefully this conversation is giving people the allowance and permission just to be emotional. You know, I remember growing up and 
I was told sometimes that, oh, I was so sensitive, you know, I was too sensitive when I got hurt by things or I had an emotional reaction. And I think I I was just a a very sensitive person who had feelings and was aware of it. But um, it took me a while to start to allow myself to speak that kind of language and then find other people who spoke that kind of language, you know? I remember the first time, similar to your experience, but this was later for me in life, where I was still a young guy and I was in a fight with a friend and we were on the phone and she was making her points, I was making my points and and it was getting, it was it was a pretty good fight. And I remember thinking the whole time, she's going to hang up any second because I was used to that. I was used to people kind of running away or just rejecting me whenever we were in a fight. And she just hung on the phone and I hung on the phone and I found out later that she thought I was going to hang up on her. And I remember that moment. I I remember that moment when I realized that we're working through this. And then we got to the other side of that conversation. And then I experienced emotional intimacy, which I had never really experienced before. And I was like, I feel closer to her and she felt close to me and it strengthened our relationship because we'd work through those tough feelings and we were emotionally as available as we could be, you know? Yeah, that's, you know, I'm sitting here thinking that's that's such an important sort of um, formative moment when you have your first sort of, it's, it's a coming of age, it's almost a rite of passage if you're made a certain way and these things matter, you know, the idea of forming a sense of um, comfort and uh, relationship with your inner feelings and me also as a sensitive kid. Um, and I was also a very uh, idealistic one and was called that a lot. And so on some level, and again, not for any, um, you know, not for uh, probably with good intention because, you know, maybe people around me were concerned that I wasn't practical enough or wasn't grounded enough. I don't necessarily agree in retrospect, but at the time I understand when, you know, when a little kid is a little too starry-eyed, maybe it, it seems like you need to find a little bit of balance. So, But those are all things that inform us, and when you have that moment, uh, where you can connect with somebody in a real way. I think mine might have been when I was uh, maybe 12 or 13 years old, and I was uh, probably bonding, because this, this comes in the form of all kinds of relationships with your family members, with your lovers, with your friends, in terms of emotional um, intimacy or availability. Yeah. I was um, probably sharing uh, something maybe from my diary. I don't remember what it was with a, um, a peer, you know, a girlfriend. I was like 13 years old. And I remember having like a very emotional conversation where we may have shared like passages from our journal or something like that. Mm-hmm. And while that might seem like a silly sort of, you know, just a scene out of a nice coming of age movie in the moment, that was really deep for me. And it gave me a safe place to feel like I could share those types of things that felt more vulnerable, you know? Yeah, it it's just it's nice to experience when there's a part of your soul that you haven't been able to experience before and then someone or something or some other thing in the world reminds you of that or lets you actually experience it in reality and also realize that it's okay to feel that way. So maybe somebody yeah. listening tonight is listening to our conversation. They're like, yeah, I've wanted to talk to that person about this, or I've wanted to let them know how much I care about them, but I haven't been able to let my guard down and be that vulnerable. Maybe we're giving them some courage to do that. You know, um, Feel free to call in if you're listening. We're talking about emotional availability. The number is 877-480-4120. And yes, I think that's a nice point. I think that uh, it comes in so many forms in terms of giving ourselves permission. And often it's because you you do the work or you realize that um, maybe not expressing yourself or not bonding on on that level is 
precluding you from having um, the relationships to the depth that you want to. But I think everybody comes to that in different kinds of ways. And then there's plenty of people that go through a whole lifetime uh, without a sense of, you know, real emotionality and, and not to judge because everyone's got their own version of what that is. Yeah. But where they feel more restrained and they're, you know, and like you said, their heart is aching because they don't have a place to go with it. And I think the older you get um, and the, and progressively um, less comfortable you get with it, the harder it becomes to sort of chisel away at that, you know, all those layers. Yeah. Yeah. And at the same time, I think all it takes is one person, you know, one person, one conversation, no matter what age you are, could start that change for you. But it's the kind of thing I, I guess as as I've gotten older, I think it's, I really resonate with that expression. Water seeks its own level. And as I've gotten Ooh, older, like that. yeah, I've attracted people that are like me and people yeah. in my inner circle are like me and they're trying to be conscious and aware of themselves and grow and experience life in a more joyful way. You know, a lot of times on the show, we talk about the work and the inner work and it's an inside job and therapy and, and all these different things that help us to be the people <laughs> all our that we are. Yeah, yeah, you know, trying to sound so spiritually hip. But um, <laughs> but I think the reason why, I, you know, the reason why I'm on this path is I want a better life. I want to be happier. I want to feel more comfortable in my own body. I want to be the best person I can actually be and have the best life I can have. And that's why, you know, I talk about this stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that. I think that it's um it's it's really really important and um and I know that we have a, a break. See, I'm not in the studio, so I'm not privy to um Sam. Our we got our, a minute. Uh, Go ahead. Our our leader our leader in radio crime. Um, but I know that it's coming. And after we uh, after the break, I think what we should probably start to talk about is how it manifests in our lives. The lack of emotional availability, like the different relationships we have in it, the patterns and the people that we seek out to kind of work this stuff out. Because I know you and I probably have a little bit to say on that level. Yeah, we do. We do. So with that, we're going to go to break. We'll be right back, y'all. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Hi, this is Rob Kay. And I'm Callie Alpert. Are you looking for a show where people talk about real stuff like life, love, the pursuit of being yourself? Well, then you have come to the right place because The Rob and Callie Show is doing just that. For the last 10 years, Rob and I have been having our own version of Sunday morning therapy sessions on the phone, and now we're bringing it to the radio. So tune in and call in live Wednesdays, 8 to 8.30 on talkradio.myc. And that's Eastern Standard Time, so join us. Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Robin Cali Show. Tonight we're talking about... Emotional availability. What's up, Callie? Hey, see, I couldn't come back from commercial break because I'm not privy to the finger. I got to tell you something. Guiding finger. I got. I got to tell you something. In the beginning of the show, I was going to mention this, but it's like there's this 
bare space, this blank space where your chair is. And it's like your vibe is here, but you're not here, you know, so you're here in spirit. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And I miss you, too. Um, So I think before the break, we talked about emotional availability and maybe more of the source of it. I think it's really important to speak to how it manifests in our lives as we get to be, you know, grown-ass adults. Uh, You know, I know um, because I think this stuff runs really, really deep, and I believe that most of our relationships with friends, lovers, family members, all are really born of our relationship with our emotionality at a very young age. And, you know, I know for me, I've been before as, as emotional and as emotionally outward as I am, I've been um, masterful, I won't put a judgment to it, but um, at, at attracting emotionally unavailable people, especially men in my romantic relationships historically. Yeah. Um, I'm happy to say I'll, I'll get to the end of the story now and tell you that I've, I've definitely changed that up and you know really made a commitment to that not being the pattern. Yeah. But I've spent way more years than I would have, than I'd like to admit, um, working, you know, uh, attracting that and often really asking myself in a deep way, what, what is that about? Because it's a clear pattern. What am I trying to heal? Because I believe every relationship is a mirror where we're really trying to heal something. And it's not about what the other person doesn't make available to us with their emotions. It's about why am I bringing this person into my life? What's familiar about this, even if I intellectually know that it's not the healthiest choice? Um, can you relate to that at all, Robbie? No, not at all. You're on Stop your own there. on this one. Sorry. I've I've been emotionally available my entire life. No, not at all. Um, I've had quite the journey with this. And, you know, I like the quote by Rumi, and I'm going to read it. Your task is not to seek for love, but merely to seek and find all the barriers within yourself that you've built against it. Oh, if, if I wasn't holding a little earbud in my finger, I'd start clapping. Well, That's nice. Yeah, it really is. And, you know, I really felt like a victim through life. Like, why don't I have better luck in love? And why do I attract women that are emotionally unavailable or dysfunctional? And how come, you know, I'm still single or even in friends? Why do I, I not have friends that are reliable? And it was when I read this quote that it made sense that mm-hmm. I had blocks. I had these barriers and my job is to remove them because the universe wants me to experience love in every way. Like you said, it's not just, you know, lovers and romance. It's also friends and business and everything, you know, the, the best feelings I can have in all my relationships. And, you know, I grew up in a divorce family and there was a lot of fighting and I learned to hide. And that's something that I realized when I got into therapy and started to look at my own life, I'm sure other people can relate to this, that when we get hurt over and over again, we learn to hide or we learn to find ways to avoid getting close or being vulnerable and and getting hurt. And I was actually really good at it. And I didn't realize that one of the reasons why I was attracting women who are emotionally unavailable was because I was emotionally unavailable. And I remember from a young age when a girl really liked me, um, I, I didn't know what to do. I just, I didn't know what to do. And I was usually chasing other girls who were more challenging or again, who emotionally weren't really open, you know, and, and weren't, weren't very interested in getting close. And, um, that pattern went on for a while where, you know, I had girls chasing me and I was running away or I was chasing girls and they were running away. And, um, you know, I had other ways of avoiding emotional, um, 
being, you know, available, like staying attached to my family in a certain way and not growing up in a certain way and going out on my own and being more focused on their relationships or other dysfunctional relationships in my life, focusing on them instead of myself and, you know, being codependent and not really focusing on what I needed or what I wanted. So I had all these different ways to avoid these relationships that I really wanted. And eventually I did start to experience them slowly but surely. And I can say that, you know, I'm successful in that way from where I started. Yeah, and it's amazing, like, knowing you and, and you know, and, and thinking of myself. I mean, we're, um, we're, we're such um, emotional people, very feeling people. That, you know, our emotions are, our emotional lives run rich and deep. And, you know, um, and I know you to be extremely effusive and expressive and all that. And I know myself to be that way. Mm-hmm. But I also realized that... Um, for whatever, you know, for a a myriad of different reasons, I hadn't really learned to feel comfortable in that. So like you, I was really attracting people where I was completely, you know, where there was no sense of emotional reciprocity, which really meant that I wasn't ready to be that way either, even if it was inside of me. Yeah. And, you know, the more, um, the more I tried to get mindful of it, more meditated, the more books I read, the more I realized that, you know, basically it's just not working when you sit and you sort of have to hold up a mirror and say, is this pattern working for me? Is it taking me to where I want to be or not? My, um, around the people I want to be around and my, uh, you know, enjoying the relationships I want to, um, I want to enjoy. Yeah. And the answer is predominantly no. Then obviously you need to figure out the common denominator, which is us, right? So, um, even though these patterns are very deep and familiar, it's, um, it, it, it's like any habit or any, any wiring that you have deep in you. It's something that really requires discipline to shift. And so, you know, I share that with you. Once I, I remember years ago, even not being happy. Um, I mean, I've always had wonderful friends around me, but I think I was in a place where I was wishing I had more like-minded people around me where we were sharing more of this type of emotionality with each other and just openness and vulnerability. Mm-hmm. And I had to really just sort of decide and put that energy out there. And thankfully now, I mean, that's, you know, I'm very much the, you know, the circles of friendships that I enjoy um, but even recently, you know, there's been a few, I've talked about it on the show. I've had a few friends that I still, you know, love very much that are very dear to me that, um, you know, where we've really kind of parted ways mm. and the part of me that, um, if I'm going to be really honest about it, that's okay with it, at least in the current, you know, right now for the time being, mm. if I'm going to be really honest, realizes that this exchange that we're talking about sharing from a place of um, vulnerability and emotions wasn't a big part of our dynamic. Mm. And it's very much what I need now. And what's happened is, um, you know, as I've made room for them, you know, they say one door closes, another one opens. It sounds so cliche, but I have um, more people that have even come into my life in recent months that, uh, you know, just really speak the same language. That, and I find it so nurturing and such a safe place to go. Mm. And in the process of those exchanges, it's easier, at least for me, for us, you know, collectively to sort of strengthen and fortify that muscle where you almost become more empowered, being more vulnerable and more emotional and, and sharing, um, you know, that, that those types of feelings because it um, you realize the exchange is so enriching that it gives you a comfort level to be that way with yourself. You know, it helps with the self-acceptance of that rather than feeling like it's a weakness. 
Yeah. And that's really, for me, the bottom line, it's really about how I feel about myself. It's like, I can talk about everybody else, but it's really about, do I like myself? And I'm not talking about loving myself and things like that. I I have trouble relating to that whole expression, but you know, am I pretty comfortable being Rob? You know, can I accept my faults and can I really recognize my assets and the good qualities about me? That's really what it's about because when I'm feeling good about myself, everything else takes care of itself. And if I'm not feeling, if I'm not feeling good about myself, then life is pretty challenging. So I think you bring up a really good point that it always comes back to us, you know, and we're always mirroring on the outside what's going on on the inside. Yeah, which can be a, such a pain in the ass to really like dig deep and really take responsibility for that. Yeah, totally. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like when things are, I mean, even recently I've thought about that. I was reminded of it by somebody. It's, you know, um, that like my outside life is mirroring my inside life. I'm like, dang it. You know, I really have to, I got to paint a better picture inside, you know, and really work on that and be really mindful of that. But generally speaking to this topic, you know, I, I really firmly believe, I've said this before, that vulnerability is strength. And I think, the more you um, the more you grow into that and the more layers you shed and the more you you are and the more comfortable you become in your skin, it's an amazing thing. It's wildly liberating. Yeah. You lose like psychic spiritual, you know, weight, poundage, you know. Yeah. And I just um and I think it really brings you it, it um it emits a certain sort of vibe that uh, attracts to you you know, the right people in the right situations. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I mean, even like I'm, I'm even thinking about it in, you know, in my in my professional life because I always compartmentalize, and I'm not saying it's you know proper to be a pool of tears in your workplace or um, express every little emotion that you have in your workplace. But mm. um, you know, I used to really compartmentalize, and that was a very painful thing for me because I'm not a compartmentalizer, and I'm looking as I get older to really live a more 360 kind of integrated life so that all parts of me are you know, functioning for the most part at the same time, regardless of the situation. Mm. Um, you know, when it's realistic, certainly doesn't apply all the time. Yeah. And even like in work, you know, my last, um, you know, executive position, I was, uh, very much, um, acting from this place and people really responded to it. And I was setting an example for my, my younger employees, really trying to, you know, um, certainly with a certain protocol again and like a professional, you know, decorum, but at the same time feeling like comfortable expressing themselves Mm. because I think that, you know, the longer it takes you to have a safe place for that, the harder it is to find the language, the ickier it gets, the weirder the stuff is that comes out of your mouth. Whereas if you can just find a sense of sort of peace and kind of, um, self possess possession or just this, I forgot what the expression is, but just feeling a sense of, of being self-possessed and comfortable in your skin that really you can be empowered and better performance comes out and, you know, where you're better in all aspects of your life, including your work. Yeah. And it, it really is about that, you know, just be you, like be you, whoever you are, just be you. And when you really embrace yourself and express that to the world, everything good happens from there. You remind me though, the expression, go where it's warm. And Mm. I was thinking about how valuable it is to me when I get emotional support from my friends and how much that makes me want to 
wake up the next day and go tackle the world or go out and be really a courageous man and do the things that I want to do. It takes a little bit of emotional support in my life. And probably for most people that I know, if, you know, we get that support from people where they say you're allowed to be afraid or we understand that you're nervous or you don't have to know it all, just go and do the best you can. And that makes the best sense, you know. So we have a caller and I'm not sure who it is, but we're going to go the call right now. Rob Callie. Hey, how's it going? Who's Hi, this? Hi, caller. Hi, this is Philip. How's it going? What's your name? Philip. Hey, Philip. How you doing? Welcome to the Robin Callie Show. Hey, it's great Welcome. to hear the two of you. You know, it's uh, especially when we're dealing with emotions, and I'm sorry I'm calling towards the end of the show. That's okay. Um, just to let you know, Philip, we have under a minute, so if you can just be quick, that'd be great, but we really appreciate you calling. Okay, real quick. Have you ever felt so comfortable that it was uncomfortable? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is sure. deep. Sure. <laughs> I sure. Like it. Yeah. Yeah. Where someone gets a little too close, you're like, okay, I, I got to take a little break here. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> no, more, no, more or less that you yourself don't want to allow yourself to feel so comfortable and you question it. And then you shouldn't be questioning it because it's so real. Oh, yeah, yeah. I guess, you know, that we have to practice feeling more comfortable when we've been uncomfortable, you know, but that's a really good point. And Philip, thanks so much for calling. I'm sorry we've got to cut off the call, but we got to end the show. Thanks, everybody, for listening. If you want to find out more about us, we're on social media, Facebook, Twitter, The Rob and Callie Show. And if you're interested in a life coaching session with me, go to robk.com. Thanks, everybody. Take care, y'all.